Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Steeler. Fury. You are listening to the SteelerFury.com podcast. That's your Steelers podcast of the week. I'm your host, Brad Chaudaben. And with me, as always, are my fabulous cohorts who are going to be grumpy as hell today. Uh, Grumpy number one is in Pittsburgh Suburban Zone 22, as usual. His name is Steel Perch. He's here. How are you, sir? Grumpy as in accounted for. Excellent. And uh, a person who's grumpy on a normal week, let alone this one, is with us. His name is FC. He's the, he's the champion grump. How are you, sir? I'm just splendid. <laughs> you, sir, are a liar. You are correct, sir. <laughs> um, should we just, like, is it one of those weeks where we're just like, fuck the tape, let's move on, <laughs> talk about next week? Nah, I guess not. Um, I, I, I don't know. I'll save my comments for a second. FC, you know, is this is this a game that's like an anomaly? Is this a, something that shows what all the flaws of the team are? Jacksonville's better than we thought they were. Pittsburgh's not as good as we thought they were. Like, what what is your take on this game? Um, the the, the big thing that I that I that I took out of this is the Steelers are poorly coached. Uh, the coaches. Poorly game planned, um, and uh, were there's just there's a lot of flaws that all with the two losses just all just showed up so bright. Um, I have issues with. How about this? We'll, we'll we'll start off with something good. I think I was completely wrong about Ryan Shazier. Now I, he's very he's not very good against the run, but boy does he make plays. Um, other than that, um, I got. Big issues with a lot of players, not Liam Ben Roethlisberger. I got big issues with David DeCastro. I got big issues with Bud Dupree. I got big, bigger issues with Bailey. I got big issues with just about everything to do with this team. But at the end of the day, um, I think that coaching, game planning, and putting players in positions to succeed um, is the biggest issue with the Steelers. So I would lay it directly at the feet of Mike Tomlin at Todd Haley and Keith Butler. And if Ben retires, I hope that the Steelers fire everyone. I don't expect they will, but we'll just leave it at that. Uh, Perch, you want your chance for your piece? Oh, good Lord. I mean, he, he hit the high points. The, the offensive scheme is so damn predictable. And it's it's just, you know, to have your tight end come out and say, well, you know, they were kind of sitting on our routes because we've run the same routes every game this season. And, you know, it hasn't worked. And I mean, just watching from, from a layman's point of view, 
you can tell that the other teams kind of have a pretty good scouting report on what the Steelers are going to do on offense and have a pretty good plan to to combat it. And the Steelers never, ever adjust and, and do anything to put their guy, their tremendous skilled position players in position to make more plays. It doesn't happen. And, and you know, look at who we're playing this week, the Kansas City Chiefs. Every game I've seen them play this season, I just marvel at Andy Reid and what he designs with that offense. You never know what's coming. There's so much movement and motion. He puts players in position to succeed over and over and over again. And you watch the Steelers, and it's just so boring and so predictable. And it's just – that's the biggest issue with the team. Is there, It's poorly coached, like FC said. The scheme for the offense is very predictable. It happens over and over and over again. We have a 270-pound physical freak of an outside linebacker getting stiff-armed to the ground by a 230-pound running back four times in that game, I counted. Four freaking times Dupree, one-on-one on the outside, trying to set the edge, gets a, a, a small hand to his face mask, and is on the ground, and the guy runs for another 15 yards. So then it's cleaned up by our knucklehead safety, who runs in full speed, blasts the guy great, knocks him down, and gets up and dances like, hey, you know, we're down 10 points right now, but I made a tackle 15 yards downfield. Look at me. I'm great. It just, from top to bottom, the team's a mess. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, you guys, well, you, you both hit the points. Um, you know, I, I don't think, you know, I think it's, good, it's a good time to also step back and say, I mean, I'll be the voice of reason for a second, uh, which is not hard on the show. Um, <laughs> the, uh, Perch is usually the voice of reason, but he's, he's off the chain today, I can tell. Um, they're not as bad as they looked last week. That, that's what I would say. Um, I think... I'll give. I'll start with with giving credit to Jacksonville. I think their their defensive line, their offensive line, and their cornerbacks are a lot better than than advertised. I mean, I know there are some people that are hip to them and understand that they're they're pretty good, but I think uh, the Steelers expected their top. They have the top wide receiver in the game. They expected him to get his plays uh, against even you know, great cornerback play. They expected their offensive line, who's, you know, arguably top five in the league with what offensive line play is like right now. Um, he, they expected that offensive line to hold its own against that defensive line. Um, and it's, it's sort of like, you know, they expected our defensive line to dominate their offensive line, and none of that stuff happened. Um, and, and I think that's when their plan was built on that. As you said, at some point you have to adjust and say, well, we're not, we're not winning those battles one on one the way that we thought we would. We got to do something. We got to do something different. Um, I, I think it does fall on the head coach uh, to, you know, to see what's going on real time and be able to make adjustments to it, or to not to make the personal personally necessarily the adjustments to it, but to make sure that his coordinators and the guys under him make the adjustments they need to make. That's his. That's his gig. Um, this team has shown under Mike Tomlin that they will make adjustments and they will improve, but it will be maddeningly slow, uh, like a big oil tanker turning at sea. Um, I think they'll finally get around to doing it, but you know, will it be in time uh, for this team to peak at the right time at the end of the season? You know, I, I don't know, but I, um, I just want to point out something interesting uh, and I'll, I'll throw this to UFC. You know, I, the, the Steelers have played uh, according to uh, the, the, some analytics that, that take into account uh, how many penetrations your team gives up, uh, your offensive line gives up. We paid four of the top 10 offensive lines 
in, in the NFL this year. And after this weekend, we'll have played three of the top cornerbacks in the league. Maybe this opening schedule wasn't as tough as people thought it was. I mean, it wasn't as easy as people thought it was. It's a little tougher, FC. Do you think that's possible? Give us some hope. I, I, I don't see it. I, I really think that the Steelers have the talent to win games. I just don't think they have the brain trust to win games. Um, the, the Steelers give away plays. Um, I, 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 I understand why malarkey and why is not with the trick plays and the creative things. Um, what I've noticed about the Steelers, and I've said it a few weeks, is they are emotionally and mentally fragile. And they don't understand how to react in the moment. And Perch probably point the score wasn't the thing that bothered me the most this week. Let me tell you something. Artie Burns' ass would have been fucking yanked off the field, and he wouldn't fucking see it again until he understood the moment. He, they, they want to talk about the safety dance around. Artie Burns dances around after he gives up a 17-yard completion. The only reason that he looks even acceptable is because teams are jamming the fucking football down the Steelers' throats. If it wasn't for that, he would probably be every bit being looked at as of a bum as Dwayne Washington and Chad Scott were before him. How many a, uh, FC? How many tackles does he have in the run game this year? Um, I've seen him turn his back and avoid probably ten to twelve. Well, it's, a, no. it's an easy answer. The, the statistic is zero. Ernie Burns through five games has zero zero right. tackles in the run game. Zero, not one. How's that I possible? Mean, William Gay doesn't play the field, and he's got five. You know, right. but the priest bust. You know, David DeCastro. Guess what? He's up. He's terrible. I can understand why he lasts for after what funny be a back. He is terrible. He gets beat by back three. That's supposed to be the strength of his game. I mean. The Steelers have real issues. So, no, I don't think that it has to do with the top offensive lines. We're poorly coached, poorly managed. Mike Tomlin, with his braviose nature, said, I take game planning. I veto calls. I make calls on both sides of the ball. So, you want to put yourself in the limelight? There you are, sir. You are a failure. You have taken a Porsche, and you have turned it into a ego. And that's the Pittsburgh Steelers. Well, I mean, Perch, I don't, I mean, is it, is it not possible that we're overrating our talent? I mean, because I, I don't, I'm not disagreeing with what FC said. It's just, I sort of feel like, you know, we're, it, it's, there are so definitely a whole bunch of coaching and decision-making holes, but I just think maybe our guys aren't as good as we want them to be. Um, you know, Martavis, if you miss an entire year of football and you're not even practicing and you're, you know, in rehab, <laughs> there's there's a learning curve to get back to game shape and and you know Martavis has not been nearly the player he was and he bulked up a lot. I don't know if he's got that top gear that he had before he left. He's stronger. He's got that David Boston syndrome. Remember how good David Boston was? And he yep. had the steroids and he was a big muscle bound freak that couldn't play football anymore. You know, I'm start, he he's not quite that bad, but uh, you start to wonder there. Le'Veon Bell has had a number of injuries and, and doesn't seem to have the explosion explosion and the jump cuts. And why the hell are they not using him in the passing game more? Why aren't they, you know, scheming to get him 
lined up on a linebacker, you know, and, and out in the pass game and, and make something happen because that, you know, he's got all the catches he's got, he's catching at the line of scrimmage, a little dump off and getting tackled. And I don't know, but the, the offensive line to me is, is a big issue with, we think that, you know, Hey, we've got four really good players out there right now. And you know, Gilbert's still hurt. Hopefully he'll be back soon, but they should be able to open holes and they're not, it, I listened to Ben's interview on fan yesterday and uh, you know, they asked him specifically, why didn't you run the ball more against Jacksonville? And he's, you know, well, sometimes you plan to run and you get up to the line and there's eight, nine guys in the box and you can't run very effectively. Why can't the Steelers with all their offensive talent on, on the edge plan single high safety with Antonio Brown on one side, Martavis Bryant on the other. Why can't they complete a pass downfield against single coverage? You know, it's well in this, Hirsch, I'll answer that question. In this game, there were multiple examples where the offensive line didn't, and or running back protection did not give the quarterback time to make a simple intermediate throw to a wide open guy. So if, if you if you can't even get enough protection to like you know plant your foot and you know and throw before the receiver breaks, I, I don't know if your offensive line is all that. It's like you're you're being protected by your quarterback play, and you're not getting a chance to do that stuff. There were there were actually three interceptions on, you know, the throws that I think are the money throws, which are beyond the sticks and between the numbers in the field. And, you know, it'd be hard pressed to, to call any of them really the quarterback's fault straight up. Um, you, know, you could blame him a little bit for that third and 18 throw because it was a little bit late and a little bit high, but it's third and 18 because of the failures of the offensive line before that. FC, go ahead. You were going to say something. Um, just the Sears give up more interior pressure than any team that I've seen recently. I mean, Ramon Foster and David DeCastro. Foster's – I knew that David DeCastro is a piece of shit. I've, I've known it since his rookie year. You can watch, you can tell. You can just watch quality players. And I and from day one, I've said he's not a quality player. It, 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 in my opinion, he's a bust. We paid six years, $60 million to a bust. We're going to probably do the same thing but the – by the pre year shortly. But Ramon Foster, team captain, far too much to say for being as big of a piece of shit as he is. Um, I, I might, this, the, 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 the Steelers are not only playing poorly, and they have far too much to stay. They have, they're, they're, they have far too much of a devalument. If I was Mike Tomlin, fine, Ben, you, you can do your radio talk show this week. It's going to cost you um, $150,000, which I just found out is the maximum that you can find a player for conduct detrimental to the team. Oh, you're going to retire? Fine. Don't let the door hit you on the ass. Ramon Foster, your little gig, it's gone. Oh, by the way, social media, it's done. Do you want to be on it? That's fine. It's 150K a week. You're missing the point, though. The head coach says we welcome distractions. We welcome it oh. because when we play off time, we want distractions. We're going to deal with it. Right. It's just, he's the, he's the anti Bill Belichick, you know? Right. I mean, it, it, when Antonio Brown with that Facebook <laughs> live, that absolutely, that he basically took Mike Tomlin's balls and we, and Mike Tomlin went from, you know, don't cross this line. Okay. Don't cross this line again. Don't you dare cross this line the third time. He's powerless. He's new. No, he's a no, cock with he welcomes people to cross that line now. And, you know, right. and, and look at, you know, why, why is Ben talking retirement? You know, I, I think part of it's just him and his personality, but sure. look, look who Ben had when he came in uh, into the league. He had a hall of fame running back, Jerome Bettis, 
who was perfectly okay letting some undrafted little twerp from North Carolina take all his snaps and went to basically being a third down back and a short yardage guy with no ego at all and was nothing he was nothing uh but you know a good teammate and a guy who wanted to win a Super Bowl that's what he wanted contrast that with who we got now Le'Veon Bell doing rap songs and running around getting suspended smoking weed and wanting $17 million a year for being, you know, it turned down basically to be a $12 million contract per year to be the highest paid running back in the league. Uh, he had Heinz Ward when he came in the league, who again was selfless, would block his ass off, was a team leader, was all about the win, would do whatever it took. Now you've got Antonio Brown, same thing. He's, you know, Mr. Hollywood, Mr. Celebrity, yeah, Mr. Me, 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 throwing buckets if he's not getting enough balls. You know, Ben's forcing 15 balls a game into Brown, so Brown gets his 10 catches, 150 yards at the expense of, you know, I almost kind of wish that Brown got hurt for a couple weeks to see what the offense would look like because then Ben would go back to being able to evenly distribute the ball. I mean, there was a lot of games in the past few years where Ben would hit seven or eight different receivers, and that's when the offense was humming. You know, and then as Brown's ego got bigger and his wallet got bigger and and everything about him got bigger – we don't have a second receiver. We don't have a third receiver. It's everything Antonio Brown. And I, I don't know what their two, the relationship between those two is, but I think it, it definitely affects Ben's play on the field. He, he tries to force that ball to Antonio too much. I think Antonio's too much in his ear. Um, but well, the, like you said, the, the, the team's a mess. There, there's too many big personalities. There's not enough team. There's not enough win. It's about me and my contract. And how many endorsements can I get is what that team is about. Well, let me, there's a couple things. First of all, I mean, I don't, once again, can't argue with what you said, but I, it's a, that's a long time ago in terms of not just the NFL, but that's a long time ago in terms of the, the world. I mean, that it's a different, it's a different world now. There was no social media back then, you know, to speak of. There, there was a far different kind of personality generation of, of players coming out. I mean, to, to me, the, what you're complaining about is, as far as being, you know, these the, the egos and the distractions and so on and so forth, is every, every team's dealing with it. You know, like you said, maybe maybe Belichick's team isn't, um, but, you know, that's a... There's 12 teams currently in the NFL that don't allow any social media. You're not allowed to have a Facebook account, not allowed to have a Twitter account, you're not allowed to have an Instagram account. If you do, you are fined. They well, don't, they do not permit it. Right, but by the... current but, NFL teams. But our coach, I mean, our head coach's policy is they don't talk football on there. So it's kind of like, I mean, I'm, I'm sort of okay with, with that thing. The, you know, the, the, like you said, the, tel- the radio shows and stuff like that, I think the team supports that. I don't talk about the head coach. I mean, the organization, I think they support that because it's pub for them, you know, and, and generally good. When, it's, when things are going bad, it's not as good. But go ahead. Coach. It, it, it's pretty bad, you know, when you have national media people saying – you know, I wish the Steelers would just shut up and play football already. They're so talented. They just, but there's so much drama constantly surrounding the team week after week. What's, you know, it's, as fans sit here, you know, just with our hands, you know, covering our face, wondering what the hell is somebody going to do this week? What's the national media story with the Steelers? What's the drama that's going to happen this week? And Belichick, yeah, you know what? He does recognize it's a different world and different ages. Why he's so strict and stringent on reining that shit in. You don't yeah. want your team running around asking about, well, what did you, why did you do this anthem protest this week? And tell me about what An- Antonio Brown's Facebook Live posts. And talk to me about this guy who got busted for weed and this guy suspended. And, you know, this guy said something or somebody threw a, a water cooler on the sideline. It's constantly, every single but, week. But, Perch, week, aren't, you, 
Weren't you the one last week who said that the media generates all this by, by focusing on these stupid things instead of focusing on their play? You said that last week on the show. But that's the media's job to do so, Peter. Yeah. That's the thing. And that's the players, you know, that would be a head coach's job to minimize that distraction. Hey, guys, yeah. we're going to, like Belichick, hey, guys, this is the way we answer questions in a press. You know, and of course, the media, no matter what you do, they're, they're going to spin it however they can to make the most juicy story they can. Your job as a, a leader and a coach of that team is to pull, sit those guys down and say, listen, here's what's going to happen. If you say X, Y, or Z, the media is going to spin it. It's going to be a seven-day-long news cycle till our next game, and it's going to be a distraction for the team. You don't say X, Y, and Z. You, you answer A, B, and C, and you, you give these boring, canned answers that you know most fans hate to hear, but that's, that's the thing that you want to say. Uh, but, t- again, Tomlin, like FC said, when that Facebook Live thing happened last year and he gave kind of a half-assed, well, you know, you know, Antonio shouldn't have done that, and that's the reason some players end up playing for one team their whole career. And there was nothing really – nothing is ever strongly done from Tom. Name one strong disciplinary movie he's ever made. You know, benching a guy for a week or two who was a, uh, you know, down-the-roster guy maybe because he fumbled a punt. And it's <laughs> – that's it. You don't see a, a strong leadership role. He, he benched Le'Veon Bell. That's a long time ago, though. For a, for a poor practice week, right? Did I did I miss? It? Or wasn't wasn't Le'Veon Bell was the guy before him? I forget who it was. I don't remember. Was it Mendenhall? Maybe Mendenhall. No, it was against. Yeah, you know, it, was. It, was, it was against Cincinnati. That that part I remember. I thought it was Bell, but maybe it was before that. Um, hey, uh, there's something else I noticed um, that maybe a function, a symptom of the the offensive players themselves. Um, being unhappy with either the scheme or the fact that you know Adrian uh, that uh, uh, Antonio Brown uh, gets most of the targets or who who knows what, but it's it's notable to me when I'm watching the like the all 22 views that when the play you know the original route isn't open or if a guy particularly doesn't feel like he's the primary target on the route, um, those guys don't continue to work open the way that they used to you know like when when uh, we had this real sort of gunslinger approach on offense, it seemed like uh, receivers enjoyed that thing where Ben extends the play and they figure out a way to, to, get, to get themselves open by, you know, reversing field, uh, heading up field, coming back to the quarterback, doing something to give the quarterback uh, a play. And it feels like part of the problem with uh, the team right now is that the original routes are very uh, predictable. And, and are covered, and then the receivers aren't really working hard to get themselves open. Because I notice when you, you know, even Ben gets out of the pocket for a second, usually there's a guy running wide open in that situation, and that hasn't happened this year. Go ahead, FC. I have a quick question for you. Uh, two, two first questions. Uh, first question I have for you um, name me a less mobile quarterback in the NFL right now than Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, Sam, Brad- Sam, Sam Bradford, but he's dead. Oh, but with, the, with that <laughs> knee's right, he's way more mobile. Okay, Sam Bradford, name me another. Name me. <laughs> Another quarterback that's less mobile. So we have the Tom Brady's more mobile. So we have the least mobile quarterback in the NFL right now. Okay. Second question. Name me a quarterback in the NFL right now that's more out of shape than Ben Roethlisberger. Oh, I don't know. Single one. Oh, it's a fact. He's 275 pounds. He's almost as fat as any offensive lineman we have on the team. You, a lot of the problems, the biggest problem the Pittsburgh Steelers have now is they have a fat, lazy quarterback that does nothing in the offseason. He does nothing to make himself better, to even maintain what he was. 
doesn't I even practice during the season. He's, how right. the hell are you giving your starting quarterback right. Wednesdays off? He's practicing one day a week, didn't play at all in the preseason, where they, play, they played in, what, two series in one preseason game. And then they wonder why they start. This has been going on for, with Tomlin for years. You get that Veterans Day off. I could see it for a James Harrison. You can't do that with your quarterback. you got to get everybody in sync and in rhythm and working together. Especially and, a morbidly obese quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> you're not, the funny hey, listen, thing you're is not, I am not, not laughing. I'm, I'm being 100% serious. I know, I know you he's are. But I, fat. <laughs> he's big boned. I mean, I just don't. I mean, I think it's a – you, you don't know what the guy does, and it's, it's a little tough to know. You can tell what, what he does, and you can uh, tell what he doesn't do. I, what I do know is that from – you know, the entire months of June, July, and into early August, that he's not nowhere near Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, that he's in Georgia. I know that he golfs four days a week there, right down here in Georgia. Yeah. I, I hate to tell you this. I mean, I break a sweat a little bit, you know, golfing, but, you know, the six to eight beers I have on the course, you know, I, I put that water weight right back on. <sighs> so, so BB, BB, you do agree that Ben is not only the least mobile quarterback in the NFL right now. Okay. I don't know. I'm, I'm willing to, I'm willing to talk about, I've been willing to discuss that, but I'm not sure that's true. Um, I still think he, he I think he's not he's nearly not least, as, he's in the, in the bottom quartile, right? He's in the bottom five or six without any sort of argument. I mean, that to me, that's the biggest thing that's gone down with this game. He's still got, you know, I think he's still strong enough mentally. I think he throws the ball as well as he ever had. People are talking about his release really slow. No, it's not. He throws the ball as hard and as well as he ever has in his career. The thing that's changed, he can't move. Yeah. You know, early in his career where he was as dumb as a brick, he would just escape. He would scramble. He'd look downfield and make that throw. Now, if he, if he escapes, he's not looking downfield and making that big play anymore. That part of his game has died. And I don't know. I think, he's, I think he's looking. I think it's not there. I mean, I really do. But well, he's, 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 it, he's throwing it out of bounds. I mean, but he's, I mean, they, where he gets behind the sideline, he just launched it over his head. He just gives up. But he's know? had and, a guy, he's had a guy in his ear for four, five, six years now who's like, you know, throw it away, throw it away, throw it away, throw it away. Don't take a hit. So, I mean, it's, it's part of that is philosophy. Threes, be able to get nine feet, be able to waddle your fat ass nine, nine feet to get the first down. Oh, he had he a play. And you're right about that. He had a, he had an opportunity to, to oh. get a first uh, on one of those. Yeah. A lot more than one against Jacksonville. Yeah. And uh, which, this is the plan. I watched you all 22. Before I forget it, I would like to point something out, another thing out. Any defensive call that Pittsburgh Steelers make that doesn't have Javon Hargrave on the field is a loser. Bud Dupree would be inactive. Cameron Hayward would be rushing from his left defensive end spot. I have no use for Bud Dupree. He has no hat. He should not be playing the game anymore until there's an injury. I have Harrison active. Bud Dupree is done. Now, that's not from Clan. That's from me. And I would play Cameron Hayward at that rush and in nickel and nine formations. That way I have Javon Hargrave on the field because he's the only person that can push the pocket with an interior pass rush on the team. Yeah, I, I don't – I mean, first one thing's for sure. Regardless of how you feel about Bud Dupree, they got to figure out a way to rotate Hargrave in more. I mean, they were – basically, they were rotating out – uh, Cam Hayward, because, you know, Cam Hayward tapped out. He was, you know, winded or whatever after seven straight plays or something. And so it's third down in a rushing situation. And they bring, they brought in Alo Alo instead, instead of uh, Hargrave to like, it got to rotate Hargrave into that pass rush situation a couple of times. I don't know why they don't play Hargrave a little bit in that defensive end role, you know, just to spell some guys, but 
I think he's another guy that's got some wind issues too, because I've seen him play four straight snaps and then tap sure. yourself out of the game and then a little or something. So, uh, you know, I think he's he's an outstanding player, but I, you know, maybe he needs a little bit more conditioning too. Because I mean, I know you guys have both mentioned this recently, the Hardgrave uh, tapping out, but is he tapping out or is he? I mean, the moment that they send that nickel guy he's from the sideline. Matthew's yeah. his helmet and looking to the sideline, man. He's tapping out. Okay, because I've seen him. I've seen him actually look to the sideline, and then as soon as that nickel steps onto the field, he starts running because he can't get caught on the field. You know, that's that's cool. a sort of a different kind of a thing, I guess, from what you guys are saying. Sorry, Perch, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Oh, I've got a lot more bitching to do today. I'll just take <laughs> my turn one at a time. <laughs> right on. Well, let's 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 um, let's to the targeting in context of this week's opponent because. You know, for the Steelers are this is typical. You know, we we we've had this. It feels like we've had this show over the course of ten years. We've had this show many times. I remember the show uh, after the Philadelphia Eagles game in two thousand eight, <laughs> and that that was worse than this. I think. Way worse. So because that that was like a like the kind of problems that you think this is these are impossible to solve. This team is going nowhere. The, uh, the reason I, I came to acceptance with this a lot easier than the other thing is I figured the Chicago Blackhawks would have beat this. You know, the beat the if we it, that ten one game was like two days before. I was figuring that ah, that would be seven to seven. That's worse than this. But yeah, it was bad. Well, uh, let's let's move into the context of Kansas City because Kansas City sure. right now has done everything right. Uh, Every button they've pressed pretty much has worked out for them since Spencer Ware went down. Um, I mean, in fact, you could argue that Kareem Hunt might be better than Spencer Ware uh, in terms of how it fits this team and, and how he's performed. Um, I mean, are they, I, you know, I, I was going to say, are they unbeatable? But let's ask a more specific question. And I'll start with you, Perch. Um, are there strengths of Kansas City that are that match the Steelers' strengths? In other words, is it a good matchup for the Steelers in general? I'm still trying to figure out what the hell the Steelers' strengths are. Yeah. I, mean, honestly, I, set, honestly, I set you up for that on a platter, by the way. <laughs> tell me what they are, and I'll tell you how we match up. I, I can't think of what our strength is. Okay, so our our pass defense uh, is pretty good because our run defense is bad, and we haven't played a, a quarterback worth of shit yet. Um, Ryan, Ryan Shazier in coverage has been very good, and Javon Hargrave is great at penetrating in the middle. That's the And to it, actually pretty good as well. Well, so we have two or three players who are playing well. That's not a strength of a team. You can't say the run defense is good. You can't say – I guess you could say the pass defense is pretty good. So we'll we'll go ahead and assume that the Steelers' pass defense is pretty good. Okay. Is that going to shut down the Chiefs? I think, the, I think they could potentially limit the Chiefs. They've done it in the past. You know, I don't see a guy on the outside for the Chiefs that is, uh, you know, a super dangerous receiver, but – that's not really the way the Chiefs are set up. They throw a lot of balls to Tyreek Hill, who sometimes in the backfield, sometimes he's in motion. They throw a ton to Travis Kelsey, who we've got nobody. Well, I guess Shazier can cover him somewhat, but he's not going to shut shut down a Travis Kelsey. Um, they dump a lot off to the running back. Sharkans West had two receiving touchdowns last week on dump offs. Yep. Uh, you know, the uh, Anthony Thomas can come in and hurt you in, in, in some different ways. So they've got a lot of little gadget guys and a lot of speed and. You know, they're not a, a traditional let's throw it to the wide receiver and beat you with receiver offense. Um, but, you know, Alex Smith has always been very, very careful with the ball. He's a guy that doesn't turn it over. Even when he was crappy, Alex Smith, he didn't throw a lot of interceptions, doesn't turn the ball over. Well, now he's making throws down the field, and he's very efficient. Five-game five stretch he's had this year, 
Dude's got over 100 yards rushing, too. He's a, he's a good athlete. He's somebody people don't think about, but Alex Smith's probably one of the better athletes at quarterback in the NFL. He's deadly accurate. His completion percentage is up over 75% this year. And he's, for the first time, he's, he's not Alex anymore, you know, completing the ball five yards behind the sticks on third down. He's throwing it downfield and making plays. So, and that offense is humming. And the reason that offense is humming so much better than Pittsburgh's, the scheme and the design of their plays and the, their unpredictability and the different weapons they come at you with. It's not like, hey, we're going to force the ball to our, our star receiver 15 times every game, and why don't you just double him, and we're still going to throw at it. They're, Andy Reid is, is an offensive genius, and we've got Todd Haley. I mean, that's the difference between the Steelers season and the Chiefs season right there. All right, that's a, that's a show for today, guys. Um, it's great. <laughs> MC, you want to... You want to come up with anything? Anything I, any, he sure. missed or I missed? Um, Kansas City Chiefs have the best defense coordinator in the NFL, and Bob Sutton. He gets more done with less than anyone. I bet you, ninety-five percent of NFL fans couldn't tell you Kansas City Chiefs defense coordinator's name. Um, the, the good thing for the Steelers this week, I'll take it since Birch. Um, number one is I will be shocked if Kelsey plays. Um, he went out with a concussion. He left that game twice with concussions. This will be the seventh concussion that he's in the last three years that he suffered. Um, another good thing is Mitch Morris, their starting center, is expected back, but I'm not sure he's going to be able to play. Um, their starting guard, Dr. Frenchman uh, Laurent Tarif, he's also expected back. I don't think he's going to play. Um, Justin Houston is how on wheels. D. Ford may be back. He's injured. I don't think the Chiefs' defense is that special, especially with losing Eric Berry. But the problem is is um, I have zero faith in Todd Haley to do anything positive. Well, um, let, me, let, me, let me ask you a question, Epsi. Do you think the Steelers' reaction to Ben throwing five picks uh, in, in that game last week will be to go conservative in this game or – I mean, like, in other words, what do you what do you think their reaction will be? We're going to do what we do. That's that's not only Mike Tomlin. That's Todd Haley. Todd Haley says that he would run the ball fifteen times up the middle if he thought he can gain three and a half yards. That's a direct <laughs> quote from him. So we're going to do what we do. We make that square peg fit in that circular hole, or we're going to spend a goddamn day trying. If you pound if you pound it hard enough with a big enough hammer. Uh, Actually, yeah, it might fit. <laughs> it won't be plumb, but it might fit. It won't be plumb. I, I've got a question I'll throw out to the group here. You know, Tomlin <laughs> preaches, preaches situational football. If right. you go to training camp, all you watch, seven shots. Every single day, goal line offense versus goal line defense. Why the hell in the, in the world with that much emphasis on that is the Steelers' red zone offense so fucking horrible? And why are there two-point conversion plays so productive, uh, but they don't want to use those same plays whenever it's, you know, second third and goal short. the two. You or know what I mean? Like, or third and short at the 50. Yeah. <laughs> they're saving their good plays for two points and passing up six points. I mean, I, I don't get it. I, I just I can't fathom why for a team that realizes how important that red zone offense is and, and emphasizes it and works on it so much, why are they so horrible? Why are they throwing a double move to Antonio Brown from the three-yard line in, in tight quarters? It, it's stupid. I, I have no idea. Um, I, don't I, have, I have my couple questions. Um, why, um, if you're going to dress Justin Hunter and Martavius Bryant, 
Um, why don't you have one of the two of them taking the top off of coverage, let's say five or six times out of ten? Because I would use the Steelers actually have depth their skill positions. And um, if you're going to run Martavius Bryant on the go, I walk him right up the sidelines on his way back, and I send in Justin Hunter, and I run the same go. And I'm going to find out how long that left cornerback is going to be able to run 70-yard sprints with, 30, with you know, 25 to 30 seconds in between. The Steelers run more square outs in comebacks. They run more sideline routes than any team I've ever seen. It's, it is absolutely is, unbelievable. You know, and they wouldn't even, we don't even run in cuts. Like we went, no, I looked, I actually, for you, I mean, you're, you're, you're all over this. I was going to ask you, is there a place that anyone knows of where you can find where passing location is, meaning left sideline? I don't think the Steelers, I think the Steelers yes. attack the middle of the field less than any team in the NFL. You know, with, well, with the Antonio Brown, why aren't you running slant and goes? With Martinez Brent Slinton gives attack the middle of the field. Okay, so there is a there is a place. Okay. Um, it, it's called uh, nextgenstats.nfl.com. It's part of nfl.com. Mm-hmm. And you can you can see the passing chart. Uh, wow. you can see the passing chart for, for Ben. And and what I would say is it, it is kind of uh, more like the Steelers run what most teams in the NFL do. And the ones that don't are the teams that consider themselves I mean that you would you know, you could probably guess it's the teams with the more elite quarterbacks. Um, it's the Don't teams. Don't we have an elite quarterback? I mean, so <laughs> in terms of throwing the football, sure. sure. But we don't. We haven't treated them like that for five years now. Really? No. I mean, maybe that's why he's talking about. Maybe I don't have it anymore, and maybe it's time for me to retire. I mean, I can't think. Uh, I mean, you have Tom Brady, and then. The most successful active quarterback in the NFL is, um, oh, Ben or Aaron Rodgers. I'd say Ben because he has two rings. Yeah. No, I'm, I, from whenever I heard that postgame, basically, if it was the 70s, I think you would have been Roethlisberger throwing every single person under the bus. But it's no longer thought of as politically correct to do so because that was frustrating. I oh, mean, yeah. the, I mean, you, Ramon Foster, whenever that ball was tipped, I would like to know how many people thought, oh, I wish Ramon Foster punched him in the nuts. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, the, the Steelers get balls tipped partially because Ben can't get passing lanes because, well, he's not very mobile. And he can't really slide his feet. And I know it's the left knee injury. No, it's not. But yeah, there, there's, I mean, there's problems. I mean, I'm, I'm sure that he's not uh, 100%, you know, that, that, that compared to what he was when he was 25 years old. I think we're undefeated if we have Mike Mullark here or Ken Wisenhut as our offensive coordinator because they would have thrown in two garbage. They would have found some gimmick play that would have gotten momentum. The Steelers are such an emotionally unstable team. When bad things happen, they expect them just to continuously build, and they can't flip momentum. Even whenever they do flip momentum, Ryan Shazier, fantastic play. Flip the momentum. Changed that game. And then we've pissed it away again. Yeah. Well, you know, in terms, in terms of how this, uh, you know, how it affects this week, I, I, I asked you earlier how, what you thought the reaction would be. Perch, do you, do you think that 
I mean, I, I just kind of feel like if, if they're just going to be the tight. I'm trying to look those the right word that they're going to have their kind of have it together and play their a game this week. Wh- you know, whether or not that'll be enough. Um, it it kind of feels like, you know, a very bad situation though, because the chiefs have got to have this date circled on their calendar after last year in the postseason, Right. Yeah. I mean, probably it's, the Steelers are like the uh, emotionally unstable hot chick. You, you just never know what the hell you're going to get from day to day. They're, they're going to look at this and say, "Hey, there's a really good team on there. Let's go out and show we're the we're the best team in the AFC. We beat this team twice last year. They'll probably come out and play pretty well. Just the way that they play down to Chicago, they play down to Jacksonville, they'll play down to a Tampa, they'll play down to anybody bad. They will get up whenever just when we're ready to write them off and say this team's garbage. They'll probably go into Kansas City and win by 20 or something ridiculous that we we don't see coming." You know, the flip side of that is it's Kansas City. That's a very tough place to play. That They probably are targeting this game because they did lose to Pittsburgh last year in you know, the end of their season. Uh, but Pittsburgh played really, really well both times. I mean, the, the playoff game, the, the only thing that was the downside of that was they couldn't punch in good drives for touchdowns. They kept kicking field goals out the whole game because in the red zone they, they went to shit. But otherwise, they played really, really well offensively against Kansas City both times last year. Um so I, I don't know. I mean, it's just the team, something's going to break here. And, you know, if they lose this game, Baltimore's got a weak opponent. Baltimore's going to be winning the division at 4-2, and two, and they may be tied with Cincinnati by by the end of the Sunday. You know, for the, the AFC North's all jumbled back up again. So, you know, the next three weeks, I think, will kind of give us a, a really good grasp on who, who the Steelers actually are. I don't know. I expect them to come out and blow out one of these teams, win another game, and probably get blown out another. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> is that all? I mean, I know it's, it just feels like it's the typical routine, uh, you know, for them. I, I look at that, the last two, you know, the last two games they played against Kansas city. And it just feels like, you know, some teams when they're going to go play them, like, like what they were when they went to Chicago or when you might see the Oakland Raiders on the schedule, it's just teams that they don't seem to play that well against. Um, and for, for whatever reason, and, this seems like a team that they play well against, you know, even, even though they didn't put the ball in the end zone against the chiefs, um, they, they, they actually played pretty well in that game. I thought um, absorbed a lot of good play from Kansas city. Um, I don't know. FC let's talk about line play because that was a kind of a big factor last week. Uh, and, and you mentioned the, the issues that, I mean, De Castro's. I mean, let me make an example for you. De Castro's basically, uh, Mike Wallace, right? He's a one-trick pony. He's really, really good at the trick he does. He can pull with the best of them. Yeah, yeah. But it's when you, I'm just yeah, not as much this year. <laughs> I mean, no, really, no. Um, DeCastro actually is good at zone blocking schemes. He's great with the double. He can get to the second level. My concern this week is I don't think D Ford plays again. So Alejandro Villanueva is going to have a much easier matchup with Zombo. Um, Chris Jones from Mississippi State, who had the wardrobe malfunction at the Combine, uh, is a very good football player. I knew he was going to be. Um, Ramon Foster is going to have his hands full. Um, from there, Terrence Mitchell, I know he's a corner. That's got to be one of the, the areas that the Steelers attack. I understand he has two or three interceptions. you also going to have to attack Marcus Peters. The Steelers are going to have to establish the run game. Um, but I think the only way they can establish the run game is they got to be able to successfully throw the ball, and I mean something other than bubble screens. Um, from there, I mean, 
dictate pace. And I think if the Steelers could actually have some positive things going, I think that could help with their confidence. And if they're leading at halftime or if they're having success, I won't be shocked if they win the game. Am I concerned about Kansas City running the ball down our throat? Absolutely. You have to be at this point because the Steelers have had the ball have not successfully stopped the run yet. But I think the Steelers can have success with that. They're having it's just it's not a this scheme breakdown. It's one or two players, but Dupree seven missed tackles, um, that are having issues. The the one positive thing that I will take out of this is it seems every week that Vince Williams seems to improve a little bit more and a little bit more. He's never going to be fast enough or quick enough to make some of the plays in the run game that James Ferrier made. He's more of a Larry Foot when it comes to foot quickness, and that has become an issue. The Steelers, I mean, Bud Dupree is horrible against the run. Um, T.J. Watt, shockingly, was pretty poor versus the run. He's a rookie. He's coming off injury. I understand that. He actually had some bad run fits. And, you know, Artie Burns being a horrible tackler. Mike Mitchell, Sean Davis, you know. Mike Mitchell's a thumper. Sean Davis does have shoulder issues. You know, it's they're, they're, I don't think the Steelers will be dominated in the run game. I think they can be tricked. And Hunt is a weapon. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. Well, um, what do we, you know, what do we try to do, you know, on a run defense fits? I mean, is it just practice? Is it just guys, are they already know what they're supposed to do, just executing it? Is there something different that they need to do, Perch? You know, well, you know, Sean Davis has got a bad shoulder and misses a lot of tackles. Bud Dupree gets stiff-armed when he's in position. He gets stiff-armed down and run over by running backs. Um, Artie Burns has not made a single tackle in five games against the run despite two teams specifically doing nothing but running so we're weak around the edges i mean that that's the big thing and it's players i mean do you just bench dupree and put harrison in say harrison we don't care if you can't rush the passer anymore just stop set the edge stop the run we'll win games <laughs> that's to me i'm sitting there watching dupree getting stiffed armed and being out of position and and missing tackles and like harrison's not dressing for this and it's it's over and over it's consistent you know, and I, I was optimistic on Dupree. I, I held off. We had the discussion on him before the season. Is he a, a bust or not? And I specifically said I'm still very optimistic about him, but this is the season. After five games, I've written him off. It's bust Dupree now. He's no longer butt. So if you've got guys in position who don't want to physically take contact, or he burns, is going to run away from an open hole because he, you can't schematically fix that other than you know, put William Gay in. All right, William Gay, you might get burned uh, in coverage, but we know you're going to bust your ass and, and, and play the run. That's, you know, put in the old guys. Put in Harrison and, and, and Gay and, and then get beat through the air because you, you're taking some of the speed and athleticism off the field. There's, there's not too much scheme for want to and will and, and you know, beating the block and, and making a tackle. Yeah. Uh, there, hey. there was a video that was just online uh, yesterday or something. It was uh, Clay Matthews from Green Bay playing against the run and I can send it to you guys if you want, but he runs up face-to-face, smashes with the tackle, comes off the tackle, hits a tight end, comes off the tight end, hits a fullback, and then this is all going uh, horizontally down the line and then pushes the running back out of bounds for a zero-yard gain. Something that in Bud Dupree's career he would never, ever, ever be able to do. 
And it's not because Clay Matthews is a better athlete or a better football. It's just it was all one to. It was 100% will. This guy was not going to get beat by any of those three guys. And the Steelers don't have those guys anymore. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I do think that the big runs the Steelers have given up this year have been almost all been uh, to the left side of their defense, whether it was Dupree or Chicolo in the game. Um, I mean, the problem with, with dressing to Debo is he's really going to play on the other side. So, you know, unless you're going to play Harrison on the right side and TJ Watt or some combination of the other guys on the other side, I'm not sure that's, you know, the fix. The fix is Dupree's got to play better. I was going to say, Perch, do you think there's more to that Dupree shoulder injury than – in other words, he's, that he's playing hurt right now because he did miss with that, and it would seem to be something that would bother you when you're trying to wrap up a guy. He's a pussy. I mean, uh, uh, that's, he's a pussy. Here, here. That's all it is. The, the guy doesn't want to, to, to have a – go find somebody 40 pounds lighter than you and have him push you to the ground with one hand. That, it shouldn't happen, right? I mean, it just shouldn't happen. I don't care if you've got a bad shoulder or not. If somebody puts a, a hand on your on your forehead – you shouldn't go flying backwards by three yards. I mean, it just shouldn't happen. You shouldn't just fall to the ground. He, I don't, you know, if he's hurt, he shouldn't be playing. But I don't think he's hurt that bad. Does he hurt or is he injured? Has he got a boo-boo? Has he got something he's got to play through? Guess what? There's 53 other guys on the team that have the exact same problem. Nobody well, tells you. No, I, I, only meant, I only meant that, uh, you know, Davis appears to be affected by that when it comes to wrapping and tackling. That was reasonable to think that, that – uh, that Dupree at least might have some issues with this that on top of whatever other issues he has. That's well, all I'm with, with, with Davis, I would specifically see him come charging up, go to make the tackle, and then turn to one side to try to avoid making that initial contact with the bad shoulder. I kind of understand that. I kind of get that a little bit. Dupree's just got shitty technique and shitty effort. I mean, it's not like, hey, I'm favoring this one shoulder. He's just getting physically manhandled. It's a 270-pound man. It just can't be the – I mean – T.J. Watt's more physical. T.J. Watt's nowhere near that size. He's nowhere near as big and strong as, as a Bud Dupree. Dupree should be like a 4-3 defensive end. He should be, you know, wrecking shop and physically dominating people. He's not. He's just he's getting manhandled. And he, to tell you that, it doesn't make sense because he's so big, so athletic, so strong. He plays way, way, way smaller than what his physical ability would lead you to believe he should. If he rushes the passer – this week, the way that he has this in the in the past week that he's played, Alex Smith is going to rush for 140 yards on his own because he is about a stupid motherfucker. He will run the arc 15 yards past yards the quarterback. Yep. I'm like, what are you doing? Shut it down. I mean, it's it, it gets to the point where offensive offensive linemen don't even set back to the inside. Because they're not even concerned about him even thinking about coming back with an inside pass rush. But, and I think the thing you're going to see this? is... How about in my opinion, is a worse first-round draft pick by the Pittsburgh Steelers than Kendall Simmons. And I didn't think I'd ever utter those words. I can't find a single positive thing to his game. He's soft, he's stupid, and he doesn't want to compete. I said okay. that a month ago. <laughs> I know. He's I know more you're... useless than tits on a bull. Ah, oh, gentlemen. 
I, I, I just called Bud McCree a pussy, and I think FC was uh, a little bit too harsh on the guy. I called him Kendall Simmons. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> that's a new level. Uh, maybe maybe Bud can fall asleep with his arm in ice, and he can fall off. And remember that with Kendall Simmons, he fell asleep with like the ice in his foot, and he almost had it fucking have yeah. amputated. Uh, <laughs> hey, the um, the, you know, the other thing about the pass rush this week is, you know, with the mobile quarterback. Uh, of, with Alex Smith, those two outside guys are going to play patty cakes uh, intentionally. You know, that's what they're going to be. They're going to be tasked to uh, to keep contain more than rushing the passer, you know. That's why I think that Javon there. Hargrave and Brian Chazier and Vince Williams with the interior pressures, Cam Hayward stepping to it. I agree. I, you're going to have to definitely sit the edge. You know, but you have to, you know, get some interior pressure. It's either it's either that or without. Uh, if Kelsey doesn't play, maybe they can let Ryan Shazier spy or something. But th- I think that's a that's a that's a lot. That's a big ask to both spy and and also you know maintain some kind of a coverage over the middle. Um, anyway, um, I tell you what, guys, we're we're running a little bit long. Let's go. Uh, I mean, we could bitch all day. <laughs> so right. let's uh, let's go just a very quickly uh, our around the league picks segment. Uh, brought to us by Snoop um, and uh, Bud Dupree being a pussy. <laughs> and whoever it was that – what's that? Bud Dupree just picked up a, an endorsement from Tampax last week. Yeah. Oh, yeah, how great. Midal. <laughs> brought to you by Midal and Tampax. <laughs> um, I was just going to say what um, – like whoever it was that uh, – uh, Confirmed that that Antonio Brown play turned into an interception. That I would like to, uh, like yeah. to uh, have that guy as well. Um, any, any, uh, I'll leave it. To, I'll leave it to you guys. Anything this week uh, around the league that you've taken time out of bitching to uh, think might be an interesting game to pick, or anything you saw would, last week that was interesting? How about that? Let's go that way. Anything I saw last week that was interesting? Yeah, I think Tom Brady get the fuck beat up. <laughs> Yeah, he has, a, he has an AC sprain in his shoulder. I think it's a lot. He actually, I think, went down, I think they said 12 times in that game. I'm not saying sacked, but he was hit 12 times, like, like not like contacted, but I mean literally driven to the ground 12 times in that game, which is the most for him since 2003. He did not look happy. No. Who was the, uh, who was the kicker perch that the Steelers uh, traded for and then cut from Jacksonville? Scobie. Scobie. If, if Tampa Bay had Josh Scobie, I think they might have won that game. <laughs> <laughs> if they had Kendall Simmons kicking field goals, they might have won that game. If they had James Harrison long snapping, they might have won that game. Uh, Perch, anything interesting to you from around the league? Young athletic quarterbacks. I mean, we've heard about it and talked about it for years. What's going to happen when, when the league starts getting these athletes playing quarterback that can move and throw? And uh, just really impressed with these young guys that are coming into the league now. You can see there's about 10 teams out there now that have good, young, mobile quarterbacks that are pocket quarterbacks, but they can beat you with their legs by scrambling and throwing downfield or taking off on, uh, you know, second and eight and picking up 15 yards. Just uh, really impressed with those guys. And, you know, look at a team like Kansas City with all the weapons and the talent they have on that team. If uh, your buddy Mahomes is as good as advertised, I mean, that could be the next – I don't want to say dynasty or New England sort of team, but that could be the class of the AFC for the next handful of years. Maybe the Chiefs finally win another Super Bowl. But 
just really impressed with this, this young crop of quarterbacks just coming in. And, you know, week after week, it seems like one of those guys is lighting up a scoreboard and making plays that, uh, you know, you hadn't seen in a while. So it's it's kind of refreshing to see that uh, that new crop of quarterbacks come in. A little depressing, on the other hand, that uh, we don't have ours yet. Yeah, well, uh, I'm not sure, you know, that's a, one of those luck of the draw things that a good quarterback falls to you. It's rough. Oh, hey, FC, just one quick question for you before we move on, and that is, did you see Trubisky play? Yeah. And? Um, what, was your, what was your take? Because you were sort of down on him. So, um, so I'm, I mean, after watching him play against Minnesota, I'm more down on him. Make some nice plays on the run. I do. I, I like the fact that they're moving he him around. Four or five. That touchdown. That was. Well, yeah, that was that was yeah. bad. Yeah. Yeah. He. I'm. I'll put it this way. Um, the one thing that I will say about him is he seemed to be more con- in control of the team than I thought he was going to be. I. He just. He, I watched him in North Carolina, and he just did not seem like a, a good leader. Let's just put it that way. I was more impressed with um, the way the Chicago's defense actually tried to play down to basically two linebackers in that game. But, yeah, um, uh, the Bears are, you know, John gets the most out of his team. That's what I'll say. He gets the most out of his team? Is that what you said? I think, I think John Fox actually does. Oh, uh, really? Out of this, uh, Chicago, these... uh, this Chicago team, I'm not saying traditionally as a coach, but out of this Chicago team, I think he's getting a ton out of them. I mean, they just have so many injuries, and they have so much stuff that seems to go awry for them. And he has Ryan Pace tied around his neck, you know, as a general manager. I actually, I think that Fox is actually doing a pretty decent job. I've had problems with him in the past, I will say that. But I think this is might be one of his better coaching jobs. Well, they do have, they have the worst wide receiver core in the NFL. Sure. Uh, that's Marcus Wheaton's their number one. <laughs> Marcus Wheaton, Kendall Wright. Yeah, Marcus Wheaton's a number two, if you know what I mean. Um, let's, uh, I, you know, there's, there's, I'm looking around the league. The, the, the games are terrible this week. Steelers, the Steelers, I, I, I love them for my daily fantasy sports, man. My DFS, I'm loving them. I might be able to make another five grand this week. <laughs> easy pick them. All right, gents. Uh, enough, enough of. Uh, I just all I did was postpone the inevitable. Uh, we're going to talk about predicting this game. Perch, you're up first this week. Um, the five-star matchup, your Pittsburgh Steelers, your Kansas City Chiefs, uh, not really uh, not deemed good enough for prime time, but good enough for 425 in the afternoon, uh, East Coast time. Perch, what's your, what do you think after all that, what do you think will actually happen in this game? Is this a five-star matchup or a five-flush matchup? <laughs> My question. I, I, I don't know. I, I'm tired of picking Steelers games. I don't know what the hell they're going to do week to week. When I think they're going to be good and win, they blow it. When I think they're going to suck, they win, which means they're probably going to win this one. I'm just going to go out and say Chiefs are going to do enough on offense uh, to put up some points. They'll get about 23. I think the Steelers will move the ball pretty well. I think that they will bounce back a bit on offense, cut the turnovers down. I think they'll only score about 17 points, though. So I'm going to go 23-17 Chiefs. Three and three, here we come. Yikes. Uh, FC. I don't know, but I just have a sneaky, sneaky feeling that it's going to be somebody out of the blue that's going to really have a, a breakout performance for the Steelers this week. I know it's not going to be Vance McDonald catching the football. No, he is one hell of a run blocker. Um, I'm going to go with the Pittsburgh Steelers in this game, 27-23. to 23. And 
I'm a homer, not a homo. I'm a homer, and I admit that. But for some reason, I think it's going to end up being like the Le'Veon Bell and Jesse James show. Um, I think that this is going to be the week that uh, they expose Derek Johnson a little bit in pass coverage because that's one of the things that the Chiefs think is that Derek Johnson can cover any running back in the passing game without help. And uh, that's something that has to be exploited. Um, so, yeah, I'll take the Steelers. And, Ben, I think that you might see, like, psycho Ben this week. Yeah, he's – I mean, he, he's always been kind of at his best after his, some of his worst efforts. Um, I, I just feel like that's uh, – I don't know if you can count on him to be uh, perfect, but I think in all likelihood he comes out uh, with – a certain kind of special focus that he has on certain occasions. Um, you know, w- one of those times he came back after a crushing defeat was a six touchdown or five touchdown game. Uh, I'm not saying we're going to get five this week, uh, but I do like the Steelers to get more than the Chiefs, I guess. Um, I don't know why, but I had 27-21 in mind as a score. I um, feel like the Chiefs will be able to put up points, but the Steelers are just going to – I mean, despite the – you know, it's going to be an early flurry. Steelers are going to have to withstand whatever the Chiefs have in the first 10 minutes of this game um, because I have a feeling they're going to come out on fire and try to put the Steelers to bed and all the Steelers fans to bed early. But I'll, I'll take the Steelers 27-21. I, I uh, still believe uh, in that guy wearing seven. And until, until further notice, um, I have a feeling that he's not done yet. And I love what he said the, yesterday about that uh, he still thinks he's one of the best ever to play the position he plays. I was like, that's the most bold thing I've ever heard him say. So if you're worried about the guy feeling confident, I don't think that's an issue. Um, And after watching the film, I don't feel he has any reason to really be embarrassed uh, about saying that either. So we'll see. Uh, FC, I'll give you a last word. You're going to win the game in the trenches. You're going to lose the game in the trenches. Be the hammer, not the nail. And if you roll over and you're a bunch of pussies, next week's podcast is going to make this one look very civil. (laughs) Perch? Man, this team better give me something to cheer about or I'm going to start tuning out pretty soon. What a mess. All that talent's being wasted. Just turn it around this week, please. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.